0: Hi, welcome to the show Be Convinced, where I share life-changing stories of hope with you so you can get a big dose of hope in just 30 minutes. I'm your host, Soraya Diasi-Kofeld. I'm an Ivy League educated lawyer, former judge, small business owner, children's author, wife, and mother who's passionate about helping to improve your life and convincing you that there is indeed hope for a better future for ourselves and our children. Because of my diverse education and life experiences, I'm able to bring to you a wide variety of guests from millennials to senior citizens, all of whom share their passionate, life-changing stories of hope to inspire and motivate you. Each story is told by ordinary people just like you and me who went through different challenges in their lives and have been able to overcome them. Mother Teresa once said that one person alone cannot change the world, but one person can cast a stone across the water to create many ripples. I would like my podcast to do just that, create many ripples through many lives, including yours, as we hope for and achieve better. Please take a moment to follow my podcast on Apple or Spotify or your favorite podcast service and leave a rating and review. This is episode number 54. My guest is Robert Bell. An amazing young man who is an accountant, author, transformational speaker and mentor. He grew up on the Caribbean island nation of Antigua and had no dreams whatsoever of attending college until mentors encouraged him to believe in himself and that he was indeed talented and could make something of his life. He was very good with the numbers and decided to become an accountant. Accounting was just a stepping stone for him as he spends much of his time mentoring and guiding men of all ages to have a strong positive impact on their families and society. He is an inspiration to all of us as he shares his personal story of success and how we can use our creativity to achieve our dreams and make an impact. Please stay tuned. My passion has always been to spread the love of books and promote the importance of literacy in a child's life. My passion inspired me to write a series of five faith-based children's books about our favorite holidays from a Christian's perspective, Easter, Fourth of July, Halloween, Thanksgiving, and Christmas. My books are filled with colorful illustrations and lots of humor because children love to laugh. All proceeds from book sales go to the Nonprofit Foundation as the Stars of the Sky Foundation to help promote literacy. To purchase my books, please visit asastarsofthesky.org or your favorite online bookseller. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me on another episode of Be Convinced, where we share life-changing stories of hope. And I know you're going to be really motivated by today's guest, Robert Bell. But before we start, I have a quote that's applicable to what we will be talking about. And it is from the great Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, Benjamin Disraeli. And the quote is, The greatest good we can do for another is not just to share your riches, but to reveal his own to him. And this applies so much to you, Robert. Welcome, because you were mentored and you are a mentor to others. So thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Thank you so much. I'm very excited to be here and have these kind of conversations and to give value to everyone who's listening to the podcast.
0: Yes, and especially a young man who has such a successful career. And I love to share the stories Of young men to encourage, especially other young men, to reach for the stars as you have done. (laughs) So, (laughs) we'll talk about this in a little while about that quote. But tell us, Robert, a bit about your early life, so the listening audience can get to know you.
1: All right, great, no problem. I grew up in the Caribbean, um, in an island called Antigua, and. I was actually born in Kenya. I was born in Kenya, but I never lived here. My father was a medical doctor and he traveled around the world. And yes, so I was born here. And then we went back to his home in the Caribbean to grow up and had pretty much, if you want to call it a normal childhood. In terms of my desires for life, I just never thought I had anything worthwhile to desire. I loved doing science experiments. I was very introverted. I had a lot of issues with self-esteem, just not feeling like there was anything of value in my life. I have an older brother and a younger sister. So I was just caught in the middle, middle child syndrome. Do I really matter? You know, so as I, I went through life though, as I went through primary school and my early schooling years, everyone around me, well, let me not say everyone, a lot of people around me started, just noticed something special about me and I kept denying it. I mean, they couldn't tell me what it was, but they just said there's something different about me, but they said different and my yes. childhood not understand it. That's strange. <laughs> yeah, and it's so important, the words that we use, because I understood and decoded the word different to be strange. And that's oh. what I thought. Oh. Oh, so every a- time I, I, yeah, I kept hearing you're different, you're different. And... I thought it meant strange. I thought I was failing to fit in and I, I was failing to fit in because I just wasn't like everyone else. I, when I would have interacted with my teachers or with anyone else, I would cause them to have to think or they would have to deal with me differently. So I, I wondered, is there anything, something wrong with me? Later on, I started to realize that there was something actually right with me, something unique and Wonderful. the rest of my journey, the rest of my journey was to figure out what was that uniqueness.
0: Yes, and you've become an author, an accountant, and a speaker. Would you call yourself as a transformational speaker and a mentor, as I mentioned earlier? So we we'd like to just learn about your journey because it's such an impressive one. Well, you say where are you right now, so the listening audience knows.
1: Well, right now I'm based in Nairobi, Kenya. At the time yes. of this recording.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yes. And what is your website? Because we'll talk more about that. But I want the listening audience to know from the beginning that you have a website. What is it?
1: Yes, it's www.robertabell.com.
0: And Bell is spelled B-E-L-L-E. Yes, that's right. Yes. So, Robert, take us to the occupation or profession that you went into, which is accounting. Why did you go into that profession?
1: Great question. And I I didn't mention that in my earlier years because yeah. we tend to go straight to what we did, but I wanted the audience to know me as an individual. Of course. And so I I studied accounting in, in high school and no desires whatsoever to be an accountant. Zero, um, not to get into any business. As I said, I was heavily towards the science side. I thought I would be an electrical engineer. But when I met accounting, it made so much sense to me. I understood the processes, the policies, the accounting double entry system And I did quite well. So my teachers actually encouraged me to to pursue it, which I did. I pursued it in university and I started to just fall in love with it. I fell in love with it because it culminated, accounting culminates a business transaction. You know, it tells the story, you know, of what's going on in numbers or through numbers. And I enjoyed that very much. I, I'm not good at math, contrary to popular opinion. That's I'm interesting, very not yes. good at math. <laughs> yes, love numbers. I'm not, yeah. but I love numbers. I love numbers because they have meaning, right? It's a quantifiable method to relate meaning. And so I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I started to learn with it. Struggled quite a bit in you know just getting a foothold in the professional world with it because I, I didn't have the love for it or the passion for it. It developed as I as I went along. And I loved it. I loved it. I loved how it could make sense. And I love how integral it is to any kind of business venture anywhere in the world. Yeah. Universality.
0: Yes. <laughs> Did you see yourself when you were growing up as actually attending university and going into a profession?
1: Yeah. And as I said, no. I didn't have any desire, not alone just for business or accounting, but even for university. I yes. just didn't think I just didn't think I was someone like that. I had lots of low self-esteem. I didn't think that. I could get that done. I mean, growing up in what we call a small island state, you know, you know, not much desire to really excel that much in life. You're you're kind of comfortable with the status quo. And yeah, I just didn't really have that desire. But I was pushed by people around me, people who mentored me, I said that you can actually break a ceiling. You can get into a new area of life if you get a university degree. And and I did that.
0: Yes. And after you obtained the degree. And you were an accountant. How well did you do in the accounting field?
1: Let me just say one thing, though. When I was now getting into university, I actually did my SATs because, you know, you you want to get your SAT scores so you can get a good prospect into college. And I actually scored extremely well in my SATs. I don't remember the the numbers right now on the top of my head, but I remember I got lots of scholarship opportunities. I got invited to this exclusive event that you will tour the U.S. Senate, you'll meet 16 U.S. Senators, you'll do a Washington, D.C., United mm-hmm. Nations headquarter tour because I scored extremely well yes. on my SATs. And yes. I think that's when now the belief started to build for me. That's when the belief's like, wait, I can actually do something. I can rub shoulders with people who matter in this world or who have changed and have, who can shape and influence society. So when I got into the professional world, I came in with that mindset. I came in with a mindset that I there is something that I can do. I never had a moment where I would just go to work to get a paycheck. Never. I've never had that opportunity because I went in knowing that, you know what, I, must, I owe it to myself, to my family, to everyone who's invested in my life to go for it. So as I started to get into the work world... I struggled to be a very good accountant, <laughs> yes. Because back then, a good accountant was in a routine, a constant, monotonous, boring routine. You know, just doing the books every day, very highly manual. We didn't have accounting programs, as it were, back then. This is the like two thousand, the year 2000, 2001. And so I learned how to incorporate technology into my work. And it was quite strange back then, the accountant giving ideas in a meeting, leading a project, you know, and I did. And every time I did that, the companies that I worked for grew The companies that I work for expanded, and my work expanded. I started to study more outside of my domain of accountancy and really move from behind the desk and get involved in the business.
0: Yes. So you were really ahead of your times, and you spearheaded a lot of technology, which is what was happening back in that period of time in the 2000s is that growth of technology. So you saw that accounting wasn't enough to fulfill you. Then what did you do?
1: Yeah, I I realized that. Okay, I can't just can't keep the numbers cuz I'm getting into the game late. That's what I used to tell myself because by the time everything is done, the accountant is just recording what has happened, historical. So I started to see how can That's I true. get into the Yeah, how can I get into the conversations before the action takes place. All right? So I started to just learn about people's work, find a way of how I can help them. And I I love the quote that you started the show with, you know, I started to find how can I help people deliver value in their work. How can my work help them? What if I was to give them information ahead of time, as opposed to giving them information after an event? Can I help them make better decisions? So I started to work with planning teams. How can we plan better? How can we make better purchasing decisions? And I was just doing it because I also wanted to see the company grow. But little did I know that that was helping me also to build my brand and my value. So I just looked for an opportunity to serve. That's all that I did. I I didn't grumble. I didn't complain that I'm being overworked. I was eager to find effective ways of working and making work better for everyone around me.
0: And then how did you get into becoming a transformational speaker?
1: So you can imagine an accountant back then was was not someone who you'd listen to for ideas. It took a lot of interpersonal skills, convincing, you know, (laughs) I didn't know that I was building those skills. And I will tell you this, for anyone who might be listening, I know how you might feel like, look, I don't think there's anything I can do in life. I don't think that I really thought that way. If I would be listening to this interview, I would think, Great. That's a good story you're telling me, but that's just not me. I honestly was there. I know how you may be feeling if you're listening to this, but one thing that I've come to learn is I need to know what I don't know as quickly as possible.
0: That's, that's just a, a nice interesting and interesting belief. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah.
1: I set out to make sure I know what I don't know. And it takes yes. a lot of humility to admit what you don't know. Yes. I was never confident that I knew enough. I was always looking to learn more. It's just a nice way of saying that I made failure my partner in life. I was willing to fail. Like there was no script back then. How does an accountant start negotiating with other parts of the business or with customers or with clients? So I started to do that. And when I realized that is that my words started to have a lot of impact, a lot of meaning to people beyond work. Because for me to relate to the people outside of my function, I had to sort of, I don't want to say get personal, but I had to get a connection with them. So I needed to understand them. When is the best time to speak to them? You know, how do they like to be communicated to? Is it in writing or is it too verbal? Does this person like communicating over lunch? And these things were happening so subconsciously and in the back of my mind, I was not, I wouldn't say I was, I was intentional about it, but I wasn't conscious about it. So as I did that throughout the career and I started working with a coach and a mentor, I started to notice that I was doing beyond just the bear counting and, and strategy, I was really helping people to transform because I was giving them insights. And that's what made me realize today, what I say is that every next level of growth first requires a deeper level of insight.
0: So true. When you talk about insight, are you talking about insight into yourself or insight into the other person or both?
1: Any insight for anyone to grow, a, a business, an individual to grow, you must have new insight. You can't grow unless you have insight. And it goes back to what I said earlier. For you to have insight means you must learn something new or you must become aware of something new or you must become aware of something you don't know. So when I was communicating with these people in the business, I was making them aware of something they didn't know. And they were willing to listen to me. They didn't feel, oh my gosh, I should have known that. And they started to now request more data from me, more information from me. That's what led me to become a transformational speaker because people realized that I was helping them to go deeper within To not just, you know, motivate them to work better, but something tangible that they could action on. Because that's the difference. You see, a motivational speaker will give you something that will get you rived up and get you going. You can do it, don't give up. But a transformational speaker goes to the deep levels and sometimes it may not be so comfortable because I have to tell you, look, listen, your numbers don't look pretty, but it doesn't look pretty because perhaps you don't have the right data, you don't have the right team, you don't have the right processes in place. If you fix that, then your numbers will look better. And that applies to an individual and a business.
0: Yes, certainly. So when you're talking about improving who we are, I read and we had talked about in our original or our initial interview, you talk about three core pillars that have formed your identity. Would you share that, please, with us?
1: Sure. Like what you said earlier, I discovered very early that a profession could not fully satisfy anyone. That's why the work that I do, I help work with people who are dissatisfied with their life or with their career. So I discovered, okay, if a career will not fully satisfy me, what will? And it's about finding my identity. So I operate on three key pillars. One is that I'm a champion of creativity. Two, I'm an ambassador of wellness. And three, I'm a pursuer of excellence. Why these three pillars and why in that order? I did a lot of deep work inside of me because no matter what job I did, I took roles outside of my function of accounting. I worked in information technology, procurement, sales, and marketing. I actually went to the front line and got rejected and had to make numbers. I realized no matter what task I would do, whether at work, at home, in my community, in the church, wherever I would work is that I'll always champion creativity first. I'll look for new and innovative ways of doing it. That was me at my core. Then two, I'll always be an ambassador of wellness that no matter how difficult the circumstance is, I will not get overwhelmed. I will refuse to be overwhelmed. I'll make sure I, I schedule rest and breaks within the work that I do. And three, I was a pursuer of excellence. Why I pursue of excellence? Because I struggled with perfectionism, struggled. Yes. And I, yes. I think I still do. So yes. I had to find a way to tell myself that. Listen, Robert, you're not going to get everything perfect. Instead, let's pursue excellence. Let's make it a continuous journey, and that's the pillar in which I operate. Those three pillars.
0: Yes, and that's wonderful. And you, for a period of time, you were a procrastinator. Tell us about that.
1: I am. I'm, I'm a recovering procrastinator.
0: Okay. <laughs> yes, yes. Right. And that's very interesting because as you are championing creativity and seeking wellness and pursuing excellence, yet you still have this that can hold you back, procrastination.
1: Absolutely. Because you see the things with procrastination, it's, it's very subjective. It's for you as an individual. While I could be achieving a lot of things, there was still so much more beneath the surface. You know, that iceberg theory, you know, what we see on yes. the surface is just yes. a small fraction. And that's where procrastination comes in. And I believe every single person has to go through this. And it's not necessarily a bad thing because when you get to that point, is you're revealing so much more of yourself. And that's a bit scary. That is a bit scary when you have to try things and actually raise your hand and say, I'm going to try a podcast. You know, I'm going to try and write a book. It does become scary. But you know what? That's the signal that you're heading in the right path because you trying to reveal that thing, you know, don't let it hold you back. So I'm recovering Recovering. from that because I do still have moments when I'm like, "Um, all right, let me hold back a bit. Why? I have no idea. It's not for fear of failure. I can tell you that. I don't know. I just sometimes find myself holding back.
0: <laughs> yes. Or, and putting things off by holding back.
1: Yes. Yeah. Putting things off by holding back. Right. And, and you know what I say Sarah, is that, look, if you're not doing scary things, then you're not growing.
0: That's true. You
1: can't grow unless you're going to do something scary.
0: That's so true. And then tell us about your book, because you're an author and I had mentioned the book. The title is Blow the Lid Off. I love that title reclaim your stolen creativity, increase your income and let your light shine. So tell us about why you wrote the book and how it can benefit the reader.
1: I kept hearing this, Robert, you should write a book Yes. wherever I would go. And this is from since I was about 16 years of age That's amazing. because of my unique experiences. You should write a book. And I would hear this from people who are twice my age when I was 16, 17, 18. And I was like, what? what are these people talking about? You know, first I've been told since I'm an early age, there's something different about you. Then you should write a book. And so, you know, I came to this stage in life where I was like, you know what? I'm going to go for the big bucket list items. I started, I wrote down the bucket list item. What are things that are so scary? I call them my big, hairy, audacious goals. What are these things <laughs> that I know yes. I will put off? I'm going to do them now. And I just started on this streak of doing things. And so writing a book, because I heard it being said a lot of times, and I I accepted and acknowledged that my words have transformative powers, you know, the interactions that I have. So I thought, what book would I write? And obviously I thought it's a book about my own life, because that's what I thought about books. That's what I knew about books, right? But then I worked with a coach again. Whenever I don't know something, I always seek to find help. I don't try to figure it out on my own. And so the mentor said, look, it's not about your life, but you can tell your life through the message that your life has lived. And the message that in my life has have lived is that many of us, quote-unquote, procrastinate, but in other words, hold back our creativity. That's the biggest oh, form of procrastination yeah. every single one of us have, right? We yes, hold back so our creativity. Yes. And our creativity is not a musical, artistic sort of expression. It's our unique ideas. It's this thing that just keeps you up at night that that gives you energy every time you think about it but also gives you butterflies at the same time yes right so i i call the book blow the lid off so that we can we you know for two reasons one blow the lid off this thing that's been suppressed inside of us this idea that you have go for it try it start the business you know and if it works out great if it doesn't work out still great because you would learn a lesson from it that's number two is blow the lid off is you know that english expression which usually relates to conspiracies Mm -hmm. and the conspiracy i am unraveling in my book is that creativity is for select few it's the biggest conspiracy I think there is in life. People think that creativity is for someone who's very artistic or someone who's very musical, but creativity is in every single human being who's living and breathing and has a functioning brain. Because neuroscientists tells us that the way our brains process information, coming up with creative solutions is a basic function of that process.
0: And it pushes us to think more and more and to think outside the box. Once we start putting our mind to things. And you've had so much creativity. And it's it's impressive because you've dealt with procrastination, yet you have pushed beyond that limit. And that's what I want the listening audience to Well, one of the things I'd like them to learn from you is, is that you can pursue excellence and not give up. Tell us about how important mentorship is to you, because that has always played an important part of your life.
1: Absolutely. I am a very big fan. I'm so excited about the life that I'm living right now. And I say it with all honesty of my heart, I'm enjoying my life, even during a pandemic, because I know the things that I'm working on. I know the things that people are valuing, right? And mentorship has helped push me outside of my comfort zone. I would not, absolutely not be the place I am right now without mentorship. And mentorship could be direct or indirect. Indirect could be reading someone's book Following their YouTube, just following their life, following their content, absorbing their content, or direct mentorship, which is just so impactful. Where someone holds you accountable and says you are not doing your best, you know, you're holding yourself back, and also points out areas in your life that you are blind to. For example, speaking. I never knew I could become a speaker. Yes. Like it was just How
0: wonderful. No
1: way. <laughs> yes. It was yes. no way. Yes. Right. And I do that for others right now. And I see the transformation happen. Every single time someone comes to me and you see mentorship or coaching also doesn't mean that the person who you go to has all the answers, but it's someone who you're willing to, you know, open up to and willing to hold you accountable and to push you. You know, just like a coach on a sports team or something or in athletics will do just push you beyond where you can go. And I always tell people, listen, doing your best is not good enough. Yes. Right. Bettering your best. Because I could do the best that I think, (laughs) but there's so much more that I could do that someone else could see. And that's where you want to operate. You want to operate at a point where you're not just doing your best, you're bettering your best.
0: Yes, certainly. And we had talked about earlier, before we started the recording, I had selected this quote from the former Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, Benjamin Disraeli, because I felt it was so applicable to what we were going to talk about. And you told me that you have written now about that quote, and I didn't even know that. So tell us about that. Why do you find that quote so applicable?
1: You know, it goes back to what we're talking about of mentorship. And I think the best thing that you can do for someone is help them reveal their value. Help them feel like they're needed. Every interaction you have with someone, give someone the benefit of the doubt, help them to operate in their zone of excellence, as it were. And particularly for me, who was a leader, I, I run my own business. I hold very many leadership positions. And the best thing that I can do for someone is to identify where do they shine best. Where do they shine best and push them to that place push them to that place constantly. And that's the best way you get results. And it works every single time. Just this week, that happened to someone who I've been leading for the last like four or five months, who most people, you know, sort of wrote off and wasn't really achieving much, but he has a lot of potential. And I've been able to put him to that place where he feels, where he has a psychological safety and he's just Booming. He's just thriving and his resilience has gone up. I think that's the best thing that I ever seen. That he fails, and someone who this is someone who, when he failed, he'll keep quiet and not admit it. Yes. He's at the point right now, today, where he will come and say, Um, oh, I forgot about that. I'm sorry, I'll get better next time. Don't dwell on the, the error, and he just picks himself back up. Yes. That's what that quote means to me.
0: Yes, and that's wonderful. Resilience is so important to. Anyone who's successful, because you can't give up. As you can't. You, yeah. As, as you've mentioned, you learn from your mistakes and you keep pushing forward. Tell me, you're a Christian. We had talked about this. How important does your faith, how important does it play in you as an individual, as you as a speaker, in your profession?
1: Yeah, my faith is very central to my life. And it's not in this legalistic sort of thing. And my faith is so central that it doesn't matter what anyone else is doing. It doesn't matter if someone is being two-faced. It has absolutely nothing to do with me. My faith is so personal to me because I have had experience with it. It's not something that I've just read about or I've been told about. I have had that experience, you know, and I've stepped into places where I just did not think it was possible, right? You know, and I'm a strong believer that, yes, you can hustle, you can grind all you want, but there comes a point in life where doors will open for you, not because of your direct effort, but just because of the circle of life. And for me, who's a Christian, it's because of the unseen hand of God in my life.
0: Yes. Yes, that's so true because I'm a Christian as well, a a very strong believer. And do you believe that creativity is a gift from God?
1: Creativity is how we reflect God's image. That's a very bold position I've taken once I got a full understanding of creativity and wrote my book. Because there's nothing else as a human being that we can do, right, that can reflect God's image. Yes, we can be kind, we can be loving, ETC, but we are required to be creative because God is the ultimate creator. And he's given us the ability to be creative, to come up with ideas, to fix problems. That's what's key, to serve. Because, you know, central to creativity is service, right? If you want to become creative, find a place where you're meant to serve. My mentor told me a long time ago, right? Define your space and establish your presence. So define your space in this busy marketplace, in this crowded world, define your space and say, this is my space. I'm working with these kind of people. This is the service that I'm producing. This is the gift that I have. And establish your presence. And you establish your presence by becoming an authority. And you become an authority by constantly being consistent, working at it and growing. And you can't do that without being creative.
0: Yes, yes. And I love that. I love what you said. That's so true and so inspiring. And tell me, you have said before that we put labels on ourselves Talk to us about that and how that really holds us back.
1: It's the false, I call it the false, false impressions of labels. I have an MBA, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm this, I'm a CEO, ETC. What we're trying to do is we're trying to take on the persona of those labels Yes. Right. We're trying to dress the nakedness of our identity. That's what I say. Yes. Right. When you have when your identity is naked, you try to slap on all kind of labels onto yourself that when you're being introduced, I'm a father, I'm a this, I'm a that, I'm a that. But when you ask yourself, who are you really? Mm-hmm. Right. And I think the pandemic has helped us do that. When you've, you know, sadly lost your job and you don't hold that title. Who are you? You know, if something goes wrong, who are you? Yes. Right. So. Slapping all too many labors on our lives masks us from really figuring out who we are at our core. And there's nothing wrong with achieving titles and achieving labors. I'm just saying that it should not be at the expense of trying to understand Who you are. And I suffered from that when I started to take on the persona of an accountant. I thought I had to be quiet. I had to be passive. I had to not speak up. You know, I had to be introverted, which I am (laughs) to some extent. But I limited, (laughs) I was cocooning myself based on that label. Yes. And I sum it up I sum it up like this: you know, labels and our professions should never be the source of identity. Instead, they should be an expression of an identity. So I am an accountant because I want to help people transform. And I do that by helping them learn the story behind their numbers. I'm at this, I'm at that, I'm at that. etc. Yes.
0: Yes, yes. So wonderful. And Robert, we're coming to the end of the interview and you've motivated us so much. Let's let the listening audience know again how they can reach out to you. What's your website and the name of your book again and how they can purchase your book.
1: Great. It's so sad that the the conversation is coming to an end. I know yes. we, we we had a lot of conversations before this podcast recording, and we had a great conversation. Yes. And I hope we've been able to really bring out value in this in this interview. And i I hope oh, yeah. the those who are listening have brought value. Please let us know. Appreciate that feedback very much. So I've enjoyed my time here and just helping you and telling you my story. You can find me mainly through my website, www.robertabell.com. From there, you can get links to all my social media handles, YouTube, LinkedIn, Instagram. You know, let's hang out there. Don't walk this journey alone. Get in contact with me and I have, you know, writing, I try to write a bit on various social media and on my newsletter to just keep you encouraged. And as we talked about earlier, I have one book released so far, which is Blow the Lid Off, Reclaim Your Stolen Creativity, Increase Your Income and Let Your Light Shine. It's available wherever books are sold, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, all across the world. You can grab a copy, leave a review. And it's for someone who is dissatisfied, who wants to really step up, become satisfied with themselves in life, not by what they have achieved, but by what they do.
0: Yes. Thank you so much, Robert. You've been an amazing guest. And really, as I mentioned, you've really provided us with a lot of words of wisdom and motivation. So have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much. Bye-bye.
0: Bye. Thank you for joining me on my show, Be Convinced, as we share with you life-changing stories of hope. Please visit my Facebook page, Be Convinced Vi, and like and follow me. I post weekly about upcoming radio shows and podcasts. Please also visit my website at soraya.dlccofeldt.com, where you will be able to read more about me and access my podcasts, which are all designed to give you a big dose of hope in just 30 minutes. Let's contemplate on what the great Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. once said. Use me, God. Show me how to take who I am, who I want to be, and what I can do, and use it for a greater purpose than myself.